Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in to Stinkin' Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I'm Mark Schlereth. Uh, Scott the Hub producing the show. Want to thank our great presenting sponsor, the fine folks over at Sweet Sweat for all your workout and nutrition needs. Check them out at sweetsweat.com. They got a new uh, they got a new pre and post workout coming out. I've been using, they sent me some. Um, I'm telling you what, fit as a fiddle, Mike Evans. Look at me. <laughs> Well, it's good because uh, I saw the video of you trying to run up a hill. You did see that. I did see that. Yeah. And it, um, let's just say the, I didn't have the chariots of fire music playing All in the right. background as uh, you were doing that. You know, when you're doing something and you feel like, man, I look really good, <laughs> right. you know, and I felt like I was really grinding, really working hard. And then... I look at it, and it's like I got that Steven. You know how Steven Seagal's arm all, like when he was running, he's the karate guy, and then he's running, and he just looks like, oh, His arm would God. always be flapping. It's embarrassing. Like, yeah. you got to get a tighter shot on that, just his face or something, because it's that little flappy arm. Like, Tom Cruise in every movie has a running scene, because yes. Tom Cruise can run. He like, can run. You, you see the form, you're like, yeah, that guy can run. Well, Steven Seagal, no. So I have this feeling like I'm Tom Cruise running in, in a Mission Impossible and then I look at my leg, and it looks like Stephen Skull's just <laughs> flopping around out there. And I was like, oh, Lord. Have and I told my daughter, my wonderful daughter, Avery, who works for Sweet Sweat, I said, sweetheart, let's not post that. Daddy looks awful. And she posted anyhow, of course, because, you know, I look awful. And she thinks that's funny. So uh, thank you to Avery, and thank you to Sweet Sweat for sponsoring the show. <laughs> well, uh, a lot going on. Yes. And I'm, I'm really just kind of curious – because you you started out with the Washington Redskins, you won a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins, uh-huh. and and you know what Washington football, what it used to look like, what it used to stand for. Right. It was one of the most respected franchises in all sports, not just the NFL. So I'm I'm just kind of curious, what what kind of emotions are you feeling right now? Now that uh, they're going by the Washington football team, it just is. Yeah, I think part of it is. Like I'm not surprised. It's it's almost like well, this is par for the course. Ever since Daniel Snyder, or should I say, ass clown, took over that franchise, and that guy's an ass clown. Um, one completely ill prepared. What did you think was going to happen to you? Like this has been going on for since I played there. This has been going on. Did you think in the world that we live in, where? You know, the things that are going on that are going on right now? Like, did you think that that this wasn't going to happen to you? Like, that you haven't thought about this until, you know, until we've had the Black Lives Matter and the protests and all these different things that have happened. Um, 
and all I think incredible, I think incredible to move us forward, but you, you had no plan of action. Like uh, even uh, as of like a year or two years ago, you, there's no way this name will ever change, you know? And so there's some guy in Arlington, Virginia or something that's a realtor, yeah, like a real estate agent. He's a realtor. And he bought up all the cool names. He went and trademarked all the cool, like all the names that we're talking about, like the Red Tails and the Red Hawks and the uh, Red Wolves and the Hogs and the the Monuments and the Generals and the, you know, the all the Warriors, all these names. He just took them all. And he bought, I think he spent 20 grand. And so now all of a sudden you have to come up with a new name and this guy has basically cornered the market on nicknames for the Washington area. And so you're going to just announce that your name is now the Washington football team until further notice. Surprised he didn't make it the Washington Snyders until further notice. But it just is, it's sad to me, Mike. There's part of me that, there's part of me that, that, relishes in the failures simply because, you know, you said to me at one point, you're no good anymore and we don't think you can play. And so there's part of me that is like, hey, up yours. But there's a larger part of me that wants that franchise to to find success, to, you know, to honor the tradition that was part of that franchise when I walked in. You know, I don't, like, people, there are people out there that are adamantly opposed to a name change. And and I'm like, what's honestly what's in a name? Like there to me there's there's like the the name doesn't the, the name is is nothing. It's the people that created the culture that won the championships. It's the men and women that made that franchise and that organi- organization great that you know that bonded with the community, that that grew with the community that sacrificed for that franchise. You know, I think about the Bobby Mitchells and the Charlie Taylors of the world and the Dave Butzes and George Allen and, you know, and Richie Pettibone and all the guys who made that, you know, made that franchise what it was. And then I think about Joe Gibbs and the culture that he created and the the integrity that he had operating that football team and Daryl Green and Monty Coleman and Charles Mann uh, Art Monk and Joe Jacoby and Russ Grimm and Jeff Bostick and you know on and on it goes and and that to me is is what that franchise it has nothing to do with a nickname I, I give a rip about the nickname you know I played here for the Denver Broncos for six years and we were struggling in 1997 I had a back surgery and um, I was out and I I begged Mike Shanahan as I went in to go have back surgery. I went in and played a game at Kansas City, and I had no feeling in my left foot. It was completely numb. And, you know, I knew something was wrong, but I went out and played. But from my ankle down, it was completely dead. So I, was like, I, was like, uh, I was like Mr. Deeds with Blackfoot. Like, you could have st- shoved an ice pick through my foot. I wouldn't have felt it, right? And so I go in to have surgery. The next Monday, I'm going to fly out to L.A. after the game, and I beg Shanahan not to put me on IR. I'll be back. Just, you know, I know we can make a playoff run. Well, during that time, the the Broncos had lost a couple of games. And, you know, and and I'm I'm kind of a fly on the wall because I'm not involved in team meetings. I'm involved in rehabbing, you know, eight hours a day trying to get myself right. So I'm seeing guys late to special teams meeting, guys late to team meeting, guys like just lack of attention to detail, right? And we drop a couple of games, and I'm in the midst of rehabbing, and 
it just doesn't feel right to me. You know, and I had won a championship with Washington. It just didn't feel right. So I approached Mike. I said, hey, man, do you mind if I just, you know, clear out the coaches and talk to the team? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, you do whatever you need to do. And so all the coaches clear out. And you know they go right up to their offices because they've got the whole the whole facility is wired, right? So it's all on closed circuit TV. Wired or bugged? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> it's all on closed circuit TV. So they're watching uh-huh. this meeting. And part of part of what I said to the team, you know, obviously about and one of the things I said, like when you show up late, you, you're basically saying my time is more important than yours. My va- my family is more valuable than yours. It's just a bullshit. It's just a bullshit attitude. Like it's an attitude that loses you championships, not wins you championships. But the bottom line is, is I said, you know, you think about whose team this is. This is our team. It's not Mr. Boland's team. And I said, it's not Mike Shanahan's team. I said, if Mike Shanahan was called to go out and make a play, I go, you need a smoke bomb to get him out of the locker room, this verbatim. And if you got him out there on the field, he'd be standing in a puddle of piss. He's not going to make one play. This is our team. And ultimately, to me, it has nothing to do with the nickname. It has to do with the people who sacrifice on a day-to-day basis to go out and make it happen, right? Players and coaches alike. But So the nickname doesn't mean anything to me. It really, it really doesn't. I don't know what's, like, what's in a name. I don't care. It's the people that make it go. All right, so along those lines then that that it is the players and it's our team would would you be concerned then as as a teammate let's say that fly on the wall type uh, vantage point that you had that led you to uh, stand up and speak if you're on the Chiefs right now what would you be making of Chris Jones coming out earlier this week saying yeah we're going to win five or more championships and then Tyree Kill coming out the other day and saying ah we're 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 going we're gonna we're gonna pass Michael. Yeah, we're going for seven. I mean, how would you how would you feel about how do you think Andy Reid feels about having two of his key guys, you know, already talking about multiple, multiple five, not not four, not right. five, not six. How would you feel about that? I I it would it that is the type of thing that would really bother me. Like you guys are idiots. Like really. Right, you may be the you know. I, I guess you embrace them and say you may be a village idiot, but you're our village idiot, <laughs> right, you know. Right, right, right. But like that's the kind of thing. Like well, I think the run that the New England Patriots were on, everybody, and I've had this a lot nationally. Like, can the Kansas City Chiefs make a, a you know create a Patriot type dynasty? And I just hear those two comments. I say no, absolutely not. So you never heard the Patriots during their during their 20-year run here with nine world championship appearances, you never heard them say, hey, man, we got the makings of a team that can go three to four a row. Like, it's just, it's so hard. They hated even talking about the the Super Bowl they had just won the year before. Right. They went out of their way to avoid talking about that. The thing that amazes me about them is to never be sated by success, to have the maturity to say, man, we got, hey, the work is the same workload that it was last year, and we got to go out here and bust our ass to be great. And and to have that same desire, that same preparation, that same commitment to being great. Like this, to me, feels a lot like Cleveland Browns last year when everybody anointed them a Super Bowl contender. Like you lack the emotional maturity, right, to really, to really go after this. You guys don't understand what it takes. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, this is you don't understand what you're embarking upon. 
this is this is in, incredibly hard. To win one is really hard. To win two is exceptionally difficult. I mean, the last time somebody won back-to-back championships was the Patriots in 0405. Yeah. I mean, how many years ago was that? Yeah, decade and a half, yeah. Right? And before that, it was the Broncos in 97-98. So, I mean, it's it's not easy to do and to act like, you know, to be flippant about it and like, oh, yeah, we could win seven. Like, that's just stupid. Yeah, I get that you have the quarterback. I get that he is uh, mature beyond his years, and I get that he's an exceptional player. But, man, it takes a lot of players with a lot of maturity and a lot of commitment, the commitment to grind and not be sated by success. And that's human nature. You know, most people just get, oh, wow, we've arrived. We're good. You know, everything is great. Uh, It doesn't work that way. So I hear that, and instantly I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, they're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. They're in trouble. Yep. They've already read the press clippings, yep. you know. And even you know, even in a day and age where you can't go do anything, right? I mean, it's not like you can make a bunch of commercials like Cleveland did last year and like Baker Mayfield. He was in every what was it, Geico or whatever, every stadium. Like all the commercials he made he was like in every yeah. every commercial break was a was a Baker Mayfield commercial. And you know what, along those lines of uh <laughs> you can't do anything right now. So we're, we're, we're understanding now what training camp is going to look like, okay? No preseason games. No uh, practicing all week against an opponent mm-hmm. and then playing them in a, a scrimmage or a preseason game. It's just you, right. your team. For six weeks, you and I had a conversation on our uh, radio show with Brian Billick, and, and he, was, he brought up the idea of, hey, how do these teams handle six weeks? Six weeks of only practicing against yourselves. Right. How do you— how do you do that? How do you approach that? Yeah, that's how do you break up the camp? Right. How do you break up the monotony? Yeah. And 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 how do you how do you create that atmosphere that it feels like game time? You know, when I was with the Skins, we used to under Joe Gibbs, we used to every now we practice differently. Like we put on full pads from day one and just beat the living snot out of one another, right? Um but every Wednesday and every Saturday we had scrimmages. So we would, we would like, if we didn't scrimmage against another team, we would scrimmage against ourselves. So like Wednesday morning would be a regular practice. Wednesday evening, we would go to a high school stadium in Carlisle, Pennsylvania and sell tickets to it. You know, they, they'd load up the fans and we would have a full tilt, like mono a mono scrimmage. And um, and it was great. I mean, it was it was there was excitement to it. The fact that you got on the it felt like high school football. You know, you felt like Friday night high school football, Saturday night high school football. Load up on the buses. You know, you carry your helmet through your the the neck hole of your shoulder pads. You know, and you get on the high school bus. You roll to the high school stadium. You get out. You put your shoulder pads on. You warm up, and it's like a game. And you're gonna have to have some of that. You're gonna have to have some night practices. You're gonna have to go down. You know, if you're in Denver here, you're going to have to go down to to the Mile High Stadium or whatever they call it now. What is it? In Power Field. In Power Field. Thank you. Um, you're going to have to go down there and have some of those night scrimmages. You're going to have to do some things a little bit differently. But six weeks is a long time, and most people are saying, hey, the first two or three weeks may be no pads and, and more like OTA type of practices where you're just kind of almost glorified walkthrough stuff. Practicing against air. Yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting time to see exactly how different teams handle this. And 
you know, you think about it, if you're a team that's got a new coordinator or a bunch of new players, you're kind of going from day one, from installation on, hey, this is day one of camp, this is the stuff, and you're spending more time on that. Whereas if you're a team like the Niners who've been running a system for four years, man, you can gloss over the day one installation, the the base root of what you're doing, and you can get into a little bit more, not that you're going to do it right away, but you're going to get into a little bit more advanced stuff, like challenge your players mentally yep. a little bit, which is a really good thing to be able to be challenged. Like we always used to talk about when I was playing in Denver, fighting boredom, because you run a lot of the same stuff, right? And it, you know, it's always kind of the same, but you've got different players and, and different defenses and different schemes, and that's what, you know, that's what changes, and that's where you have to be, you know, you have to have some mental acuity and sharpness to be able to see the different nuance and, and adjust accordingly. But the more you can put on a player's plate that way, especially early, the more engaged they yeah, can exactly. stay. And I think when, when you become disengaged because – it's monotonous, you know, your attention to detail suffers and then your technique suffers. And ultimately that's, what's going to happen on a football field. Well, next week we, uh, we really start to get into it as uh, teams will that's, be it's exciting. Rookies man. will be emerging from their, their quarantines mm-hmm. and vets will be going into their quarantines. Right. And, and by this, by this time next week, camps are open. Let's go. I know it's going to be, it, I mean, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. I know it's, Totally different, and um, it's kind of crazy right now. But I, I tell you, man, the NFL, baseball is back. We had baseball. It was great. Love baseball. You know, opening night tonight, opening day, whatever you want to call it. This is great, man. It, it's cool to see this. I know it's different than it's been in the past, but it do, doesn't it feel like it's it's almost like this olive branch, like we're getting a reprieve a little bit. It feels that way to me. Yeah, and and after months and months of waiting, it's it's all coming in a rush now. So right, hey, let's enjoy it. Yep, football, baseball, everything. The real sports are back. The Basketball's real sports are come back. back. Hockey, yeah. real sports. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was for you, soccer fan. Yeah, I don't know how many of them actually listen to this yeah. anyway. So pound sand, losers. <laughs> um, hey, for everybody involved in the show, want to thank our presenting sponsor the great folks over at sweet sweat thank you so much at sweetsweat.com for more information for mike for scott for myself this is the stinking truth podcast